Autonomous driving and electric cars are what we used to consider transportation's future. Now that they're here, what's next? We'll have the thoughts and suggestions of our expert panel from the floor of this year's CES. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. We're coming to you from the floor of the 2017 CES show formerly known as the Consumer Electronics Show. We're going to be talking today about some of the hottest topics that are being discussed at this show, and I've got three terrific guests to talk about them, starting with Peter Rawlinson, the Chief Technology Officer for Lucid Motors. Also, we have Erez Dagan, the Senior VP from Mobileye out of Jerusalem, and Alexander Mankovsky, who is a futurist with Mercedes-Benz, based in Germany. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you. Alexander, we got to start talking about autonomous cars. Yeah, That's sure. got to be the hottest topic here at the show today. Yeah. It was last year, even more so this year. But one of the big discussions is, do we go to level three, where a car is partly autonomous, but then we have to hand it over to the driver? Or do we skip that and go right to level four? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, now we, ca we can't skip that completely, yeah, because of the technologi technological evolution. And uh, that's one thing, technology, but the other thing is um, the culture of mobility, so to say. Yeah? We, we as human beings, yeah, we, if we are, we are technolo technological guys, yeah? and then we say autonomous driving, no problem, sensors here, sensors there, something. But the normal guy, normal guy outside wouldn't understand that. So we need some time, I guess seven to ten years, until the people adapt to these kinds of autonomous cars, drones, whatsoever it is. And in this time, you have to think not so much about levels, but uh, how to make the cars understandable, how to make the cars cooperate with the people, cooperate from the outside, that you can understand, hey, the car is waking up, hey, the car is approaching me, for something like that, yeah? if there's nobody in it, things like that. So uh, that's, that's the task at hand, not so much technology, I think the engineers do that anyway, but uh, the cultural point of view, yeah? the cultural development, that's the thing and I guess seven to ten years is, is the time frame and in in this time we have to work on these cooperate cooperative uh, design that's new thing that's the most important stuff Erez what are your thoughts and of course Mobileye is one of the foremost technology leaders in this new technology you're dealing with all different kinds of companies level three or skip to level four so I think this it's not uh, two alternate options one uh, one approach of the market would be to uh, escalate the current level of driver assistance systems to partial autonomy or to eyes off autonomy which means that the driver may be called back in by a takeover request but will get some grace time and that will be the end customer vehicle you're driving on the highway you get too bored of it you switch to that uh, mode and you know that uh, you have at the worst case 10 seconds to get back in the loop you can really do something with your time while you're in that position in parallel to that uh, out of a very great need rather than just uh, and I, I completely agree with the cultural hurdles but out of very great need in a, a uh, big cities, uh, a, a true level four will kick in as a shared uh, mobility service, and uh, yeah, I think that that will two, two trends will happen uh, simultaneously. You will have these slow-moving objects, yeah, like pods, huh? mm -hmm. transporting people fully automatically but slow, yeah, and then it's not a level question, yeah. 
And the people then get used to that, hopefully, yeah, and start to interact with these things, and then it will work. Peter, you're coming out with a car that yeah, is going yeah. to be uh, autonomy well, ready, no? Well, certainly. Uh, I, uh, level four is an inevitability within the lifetime of our platform. So we're engineering, designing for level four straight out of the box in terms of the capability of the car, in terms of the sensor suites that are incorporated, in terms of the processing power, the data storage, and also the dual level redundancy systems for steering and braking, which are necessary. Yeah. Uh, then we'll be able to flash over the air to level four at such time in the future when the software is there, when the big data has been accrued and the legislative hurdles have been overcome. When do you think that might be? Uh, I can't see it happening till 2021, yeah. around then. Alexander, one of the other big things being talked about on the show, and it started before the show, but it's still discussed here, is using artificial intelligence to, to turbocharge this process and make it happen yeah. faster and make the cars more uh, intelligent. I would, I, I would uh, I suggest to avoid the term artificial intelligence, yeah, strongly. All the techie guys, the engineers are telling me this is machine learning, yeah, machine learning is the core of, he can explain that better than me, uh, but then the decision where the car is going, the planning yeah, process, that's not artificial intelligence, that is very deterministic programming, yeah, because if something happens, an accident or something, then somebody would have to say, hey, this was this line of code, was wrong or right or somebody jumped into the like that deterministic that's not artificial intelligence like the car can decide freely hey i take this way or this way that's not the case but the machine learning this i think your job to explain that uh, this is uh, in it you need that it's it's but the machine learning the the results of the machine learning they are corrected by other sensors yeah so you have to see machine learning is is, is labeling and it's a it's a labeling and, and it's kind of it's not learning in a, in a, in a uh, human way. Yeah? It's no aha moment. Yeah? It's training, it's training and labeling yes, no, right, wrong, and so on. And if there's some, then, then the dinosaur crosses the street. Yeah? Then the car that's not labeled, yeah? and the machine learning system wouldn't recognize the dinosaur. And then the other system should get in and say, okay, there is something on the road, break. Yeah? Even if you don't know that's a dinosaur. That's the thing. So it's not artificial intelligence, that's why it's machine learning, but you can explain that better. Uh, I, I agree. So I agree and I have some, some additions to that. Yeah. Uh, there are two types of intelligence. Whenever you talk about intelligence, there is causal intelligence. A causes B causes C. And that's the rules-based traceable intelligence. You can yeah. go back and check what happened. The and there is the data-based intelligence, which is correlation. A and B happen together and I don't really care why. Whenever there is this pattern of pixels, that's a pedestrian. I don't need the explanation of why. Mm. And that's the training that we do with data. Uh, it is uh, true that in our sensing system, we're combining both data-based intelligence and rules-based safeguards, as similar to what you said in the sensing. But importantly, uh, when it comes to the decision-making of the vehicle, one of the uh, uh, open frontiers, which we will also collaborate with the Lucid on, on our vehicle, is the driving policy being a, uh, a reinforcement learning a kind of a job. It's not supervised learning in the, in the normal sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a different case of making the computer uh, undergo million miles driving lessons. Yeah. Negotiate, which is yeah. the hardest 
hurdle right now for adoption of autonomous driving. Negotiate with other road users. So there are different strategies, but in, in case Mercedes-Benz, sort of in my role there, I would say in the end, yeah, when the decision comes, braking or, or do yeah, change direction, then it should be deterministic and totally clear what the car is doing. When the people t telling, oh, this car has learned very, very well, and this one has not learned very, very well, and so on, that would be awful. Yeah? You as a producer say, this one is very intelligent, this one is dumped. Yeah, and you have bought a dump car. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to buy a dump no, car, I don't no, suppose. No. So are you going to be using any uh, artificial well, intelligence? Well, well, our approach very much is to run uh, uh, sort of uh, a superficial level of AD um, in the background so that the car is comparing what the driver actually does with what the AD system would have done if it had been switched on. And we can do this for millions of miles, as Eris has said. So it's a really great real-world comparison. This kind of, the artificial, the, 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 the AD system is working, but it's not switched on. So it's, it's imagining what the car would do, and it's comparing it with the driver, have a good or bad. And then we can see this direct comparison and learn over millions of miles, over a few years actually. And I think that gives invaluable feedback. Peter, you're developing an electric car. You were the chief engineer on the Tesla Model S. Yes. Now you're doing the new car for Lucid Motors. Are we reaching a tipping point with electric cars? And the reason I ask that is, certainly in the United States, electric cars are a mere fraction of all car sales. Yes. Even in California, yeah, it, which is true. so pro-electric car, true. it's maybe 3%. Yes. Are we going to hit a, a tipping we, we point? We are, we are. And, yeah. and, and the, the catalyst for that tipping point is going to be the price of battery energy, the joules per dollar that you can buy, the kilowatt hours per dollar. And we're seeing a trend towards a dramatic reduction in that price. I mean, electric cars are eminently better than gasoline cars in so many ways. Tesla's shown that. Lucy's going to take that to a whole new level the world isn't expecting because we've got these attributes which we're teasing out as a result of electrification. But the real influence is not going to be the volumetric or gravimetric energy density of cells. That's actually not progressing that much. It's going to be catalyzed by the affordability of cell energy. And that's going to have a profound effect, creating a tipping point within the next five years, I believe, and transform world mobility towards EVs. What, what's changing that's going to drive down the price? Uh, it's the economy of scale, uh, the finessing of the process, and to a lesser degree, a shift in form factor from 18650 to 21700. Now I know that the Department of Energy set a goal around 2010 of trying to hit $125 per kilowatt hour cost. And at that point, they said you'd pretty much be roughly equal with an internal combustion engine. Yeah. Where do you think the price is going and when? Um, that, that point, that price is extremely pessimistic and cautious. It's going to be a lot more affordable than that very soon. Well, $100, $80, what do you think? Well, it depends when. Okay. Yeah. It's going to go sell $100. Okay, let's say 2020 just to pick a date and put you on the spot. 2021, sub-$100. Wow. Okay, Alexander, you're the futurist. Do you agree with that? Uh, no, I think this, this, view, this view is too, well, too narrow in a way. Yeah, because culture, huh? people and culture and 
infrastructure and what is electricity there are many people if it's raining they wouldn't touch a 400 volt cable to charge the car if you look at people today yeah today they're making advertisement or, or e-mobility and something and what you're doing they're standing there yeah they're fueling the car with uh, electricity yeah this is totally crazy so you see I guess if the people I would say 10 to 15 years will the people will it will it take until if it optimistic 10 to 15 years will it take until the people are are able to to find that naturally and uh, to find that uh, yeah this is like 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 a gasoline yeah nobody has gasoline is explosive but nobody has say, when you fuel a gasoline car you're effectively holding a potential flamethrower yeah that's that's true <laughs> but the people are accustomed to that so <laughs> yeah. so i guess yeah. futurist means you get you get to have a sense of to develop a sense of time yeah. sense of time is technology is one thing sense of time of culture people that's much stronger yeah because we are not fast so if you have a mass tipping point means the masses will do that yeah and the masses will do that i would say in the earliest in 15 years Whereas I would imagine that Mobileye is sort of technology agnostic Massive. in this case. You're, you're after autonomy. It doesn't matter if it has a gasoline engine or an electric motor, does it? Correct. The, the level of uh, perception of uh, perception of what's going on around and making decisions based on it, yes. But the two uh, trends are well intertwined. The uh, uh, social goals right now has to do with uh, co with uh, carbon uh, carbon emission and congestions. These two will lead to uh, electric autonomy. Yeah. Very, very, they go together. Anyway. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I think there is a, a, a convergence, a conflation of four mega trends, and they're social trends and they're technological trends. The emergence and viability of the electric vehicle, the connected car, we're seeing ride sharing and autonomous driving. And overlaying and overarching that is the business model, the affordability. The reality is that those trends are going to be catalyzed and, and initiate in mega cities in areas of population density. And that's where gasoline powered cars are gas guzzlers. The gas mileage goes down, the business model for running those cars is, is, is abysmal. And that's where this combination of autonomy and ride sharing and EVs is really going to grow I explosively. Another, I see another, another, another uh, uh, overlap point, which is interesting now that you're speaking about it. Uh, so we're shifting from purchasing vehicles to purchasing miles in a way soon. And vehicles with higher utilization, uh, vehicles that can endure longer uh, accumulated uh, driven miles, which I, I believe that uh, I give you electric vehicles yeah. has an advantage over combustion engine, uh, moving parts, etc. I would expect that to also be a fact. Uh, but I give you a different perspective. If you have autonomous cars, what is what is the most important part of the autonomous car? Then the interior. Yes. The people will have their own interior. It's their living room. You wouldn't ride share your living room. Yeah. So these these this 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 practice of have your own thing, your own moving home. Yeah. This will grow. That's not ride sharing. So we will have different movements yeah, yeah? yeah. so we have we will have one one Your um, own vehicle versus it's very very vehicle. owned it's more owned than today because today you can ask the people ask, ask somebody hey what's the color of the 
of the here here in, uh, of the fabrics here, yeah, and they don't know because they never looked up. But if your car drives autonomously, then you would find find out. Okay, this is my room. I can yeah. make beautify it, and I can invite friends there, but not everybody. So we'll have you have a different kind of mobility, yeah. and one kind of mobility will be these moving homes, these relaxation places, mobile offices, yeah, like that. One thing will be in this part of the cities, these sharing boxes, yeah, like a client, like kind of public transportation and public-private mixed-up transportation like that. But we will see a, a diverse world of uh, mobility solutions, or not mobility solutions, cars, solutions and services and so on, coming. Yeah, It's not that it's, it's, it's you buy miles. Yeah, If you have your own living room there, it's not about miles. Yeah? That's one of the I think, I think so you're they're right. very different, so we have, have very diverse... Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, the diverse usage, but I think you raise a wonderful point, Alexander, yeah. because I think this is going to be more about the interior of the car. Yeah. And this is what's the differentiator with Lucid. We've got this extraordinary interior space. Yeah. We've got a car which is more compact on the outside and it's much bigger on the inside. It's more like an E-Class Mercedes on the outside. Yeah. It's got the interior space of a long wheelbase yeah, S-Class Mercedes. F-O-15, our research car, you see that the technology was yes, on the outside. That's right. That's the right. inside you could sit that's right. even. It's going to be very much about the inside. So yeah. we have a concept of cars being designed from the inside out yeah. and it's going to change the proportion of the vehicle, the shape yeah. and the aesthetic. But what do you think of what Alexander is saying that people who have these beautiful interiors are not going to want to share it. They're I going think, to want to customize it. I think he's absolutely it. right. I think we're both right, actually. But, but you want I to do car sharing and ride well, we sharing, We want no? to do both. I think there's going to be the joy of individual ownership for a great car, which is a wonderful machine, a great driver's car, great riding in car. There's going to be that model, and I think there's going to be the ride sharing as well. We're going to see, as Alexander has said, a really diverse yeah. a, a world of yeah. different applications, kind of a, kind of different usage. Yeah. Kind of a zoo of mobility, mobile things. Uh -huh. I think this will be yes. very funny. Yeah. There's another model which is not the autonomous vehicle as part of the infrastructure of the city, but you purchase that vehicle and you don't feel so possessive about it, like you have a uh, key that you can transfer to someone and, and monetize on your asset. Yeah. Just in the case it's not your... Not your uh, high-end cars earning money be, for you, then yes, I know exactly. that, yeah. So that could mean that someone who could afford a certain level of car could actually stretch to a more expensive car because they can fund it by sharing it. So you can have a really diverse we had, we had the, usage and ownership model. Yeah, we had the type, we had a label for that called double purpose. That was an interior solution, the car, your own car, uh, when you drive to work with your own car, and then you had the, the, took, the, took the seats and you had some flapping mechanism, and then it was public. And it tried to earn money for you, yeah? No parking place, yeah? It run around as a, as a robot taxi. Then it comes back to you and you put it back in private mode. And then it was yours with all your stuff and all that. Was a funny I completely thing. agree with you that the interior is going to become so much more important than yeah. today and people are going to do far more in that interior yeah. and there's going to be far more data coming in and out of the car and that's one of the other topics here in a resident like you to address this to begin with who is going to control access to that data because to me that's where the real pot of gold is in this move so to mobility. Let's look at first at the data which is critical to be part of the solution. Not the data, which is the consumer data. Let's put it aside. It's vehicle data and consumer data, yeah, let's, right? Let's talk about the vehicle data, which is critical yeah. for the solution. That data, the, a very, very interesting analogy that I heard is the uh, the uh, this data and nuclear energy are similar as long as it's contained, it's valuable. 
yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's idea. That's a good line. Yeah, so that's it's, line. As long as it's contained, it's then, very valuable. Yeah. So we cannot, as a society, skip, overlook that data that helps you, for example, validate the autonomy. We can't, we can't uh, accept a limitation from the consumer saying, I don't want, it. We, we will have to anonymize and make sure the consumer is not affected by it. But all of the OEMs are, uh, and that's, we see it beautifully around our mapping, collaborative mapping. It's a very nice example for it. Uh, let me just give you an, a snippet into it. Yeah. Uh, one of the key needs to uh, enable autonomous driving is a low time to reflect reality map. A map that reflects reality like a redundant sensor. Yeah. Map of the environment. Okay. In order to achieve that, you need to harness the power of the crowd. Now, each OEM can try to do it by his own crowd, by his own fleet. It doesn't make a lot of sense because the map would be so much better if everybody collaborates on it. And what we created in Mobile is the marketplace for sharing this information. You get compensated for the benefits that you're creating in enabling the autonomous driving. Com keep competing on it will just hold back that important asset of very, very fresh map. That, that's a good example of where collaboration would really pay off. But I got to believe that there's others where whether you are the autonomy in a box supplier mm -hmm. or you are the OEM, the car company, you are going to want to control that data because it represents such a great cash flow. So again, so then I would separate it between the data that is critical for making the function happen, where I do see collaborative models around mapping and around analysis of strategies of driving, mm -hmm. by the way. It also has social benefits attached to it. It's not just a nice to have or a differentiating feature. You're not going into an Airbus or a Jumbo because of a different flight experience. Yeah, no. You want to have a safe flight experience. Yeah. So we're going, we, we need to get rich there together. A by natural monopoly. Yes. Huh? Exactly. The data. So uh, for data that is consumer related, I, I must admit, and I have less to, to comment. It's not my territory, but I'm assuming that there is where uh, where you see the OEMs striving for the direct engagement with the customer as opposed to today to be the owners of that customer uh, interaction and ex enrich the experience through that. Peter, how are you looking at this? Well, data collection is a big part of our business model. We're going to equip Arcal with a comprehensive set of data collection uh, but sensors. you're working with Mobileye, we right? Are, we so, are. We're so working really how's close. this going to work? Some of it's going to be shared yeah, and some of it will be controlled? Well, that's yet to be determined. We'll see how things eke out in the future. But there's different aspects to this. I mean, there's the actual so, sort of social trends and, and movements. And there's also a dimension of personal security, uh, which, which we mustn't overlook. That's right. Can we make a hack-proof car, Erez? Sure. <laughs> sure. You, you believe that? We can make cars completely safe from hackers. Yes. Wow, Alexander, you see it that way? Oh, I'm not a technology guy, but I have to say, what, because you say data is gold and so on, uh, I disagree with that. The, it is overvalued, these data, these data talk. Yeah? If you look at the companies that have these big data, and even bigger data, and they sell us advertisements, yeah, and you see the advertisement, they don't hit. Yeah? If you look at the, the yeah, it's always wrong in a way, and so I think this is overvalued. It is more interesting what you said, we, we like, as OEMs, we like to have a contact to the customer. Yeah, cost, of cost, cost of ownership control. It. Yeah, whatsoever, but, but you have, it's more the emotional part, yeah? Uh, to, to have direct contact, but it's not this, data is not gold. Yeah, data is... There goes Peter's business model. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it depends what type of data. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
I, I think some data is not gold. I, think I agree with you partly. Yeah. yeah. But it, uh, you ask, it, 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 can a car be hack-proof? I really do believe it can be. Wow, I'm so we, glad we to have, hear you guys say a, that. A world-class okay. cryptanalyst in our team, and I have absolute faith in the level of security that we're building into our core platform from the ground up. We're designing for it to be hack-proof from the ground up. Awesome. Okay, we're getting down to the end here. But one of the other big discussions here on the floor or at the, the show here, more cars or fewer cars? Oh. If we're all going to share, maybe uh, we don't need more cars. That's a very, sim very simple answer. It's not the term cars is misleading then. Yeah? If you have these mobile rooms, then you wouldn't tell them cars anymore. Yeah? If you have a bus, which is a kind of a moving, moving cafe, coffee shop, yeah, then it's not a bus anymore, it's something else. If you have these small items, boxes, econo boxes, or for ride sharing, maybe they collect them to self together to a kind of a train, a platooning train, that's not cars anymore. So I think the category car will vanish or change. So will we need fewer or more of these things? Units. <laughs> Units. There's a fascinating uh, corollary of this that if we go for the ride sharing model, where a car is used 20 hours a day rather than one hour a day, the car is going to clock up massive mileage over a very compressed time scale. So the car is going to wear out and become old just in about two or three years rather than 13, 15. So that means that car will need to be replaced. This could be a catalyst for even accelerated uh, technology. You could introduce it more quickly. Yeah, yeah, it could accelerate the pace of technology in the marketplace. Yeah, look, I'll just comment quick, we're down last, to the last end. one because of, uh, I think that the question will become less relevant because the monetization model becomes the miles, not the cars. That's why, that's why the, the OEMs are, shouldn't be concerned of it. Yeah, but that's, that's a very old interpretation of transport. Transportation is not the thing. Yeah? If, you are, if the car is autonomous, it's not about transportation from A to B, but, to, but what you, are you doing while you are on the move? And then it's not about miles, it's about hours and what you're doing there, what you're able to do. The category of car will vanish and the category of transportation from A to B will change. That's the interesting part. And we're going to have to have another show to talk about that because unfortunately we've run out of time. But gentlemen, thanks so much for a very fascinating discussion. Where else could we have it but here at the floor of the Consumer Electronics Show? Uh, not CES. Consumer Electronics. No, it's CES, I know, I know, but some people haven't picked up on that yet. Nonetheless, thank you for sharing all your ideas, and I really thought this was an awesome discussion. Okay, thank you very thank much. You. So much.